So tonight I'm going to talk about kind of an odd topic, avoidance. And the, the inspiration for this topic was a, was a quote that I read this past week that really struck me. I think I had read it before, but it, it really landed when I reread it. The quote is from R.D. Leong, the, the psychologist, and he said, There's a great deal of pain in life, and perhaps the only pain that can be avoided is the pain that comes from trying to avoid pain. So there's a lot that's true in that. But it really got me thinking, hmm, is that the only pain that can be avoided? And, you know, I I think it's funny. There are some other avoidable forms of pain, but mostly we avoid them already, you know. And what do I mean by that, you know? Um... You know, suppose in a public place, there's some loud, belligerent person, you know, announcing some kind of, you know, opinion forcefully, you know. Any one of us could choose to act very aggressively and belligerently. Let me tell you why you're wrong, you know, and, you know, get in the guy's face and and probably we'd be inviting, you know, emotional pain, if not physical pain, in in interacting that way. Um, And, of course, most of us choose not to do that, you know. But, you know, people who come to a meditation group are not typically the people swaggering through the world looking for a, a fight of some kind. Um, but it is an interesting question. What are the moments when we do something that we make a choice that turns out to be uncomfortable or painful for ourselves or for others? You know, maybe we, when we're triggered... We, we speak something reactively or say something, you know, do something reactively, you know, and then afterwards think, hmm, I really shouldn't have done that, you know. Um, what are those moments that we could have avoided some pain? You know, it's a, it's a very interesting reflection and, and a very interesting reflection, you know, what, um, what does it say about our mindfulness and, uh, and our self-control that, that we... You know, and, and and again, it's so human. We all have moments like that when we when we flip our lid and you know whatever. Um, but just it's it's uh, it's interesting to look at that. What are the 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 kinds of pain that I reasonably could avoid going forward? And of course, even in suggesting that these kinds of examples, there's a slippery slope because. If you think of a spectrum, on the one side, there's the person who's, you know, actively looking for conflict and looking for a fight. On the other end of the spectrum, there's people who avoid all conflict, you know. And and that is a kind of, that itself is a kind of, um, can be a kind of painful thing. You know, the idea that uh, even when someone crosses my boundaries, even when my needs are disrespected, if I'm just swallowing that and, and shying away from all conflict, you know, that's going to bring resentment and this sort of thing, you know. And so it's, it's a very interesting balance and, and not a balance that I could say that I'm a master of, you know, that balance of when do we assert ourselves, when we, when do we speak up and when do we let something pass, you know, and, You know, are we letting something pass, you know, you know, because we're swallowing something or not being courageous enough to stand up for self? Are we letting something pass because we're being noble and mature? You know, Mm. you know, are we speaking up because we're we're being bold in 
in assertive or or because we're having a temper tantrum, you know, or is it both, you know? Like like what are those boundaries? Those are very interesting. You know, but there's there's you might say avoidable pain on both sides, on the on the on the two belligerent side and the two withdrawn side, you know. And so much it's interesting, so much about uh human interactions. What does it mean to avoid in human interactions? Um, and of course, in attachment theory, they talk about an avoidant attachment style. You know, if uh, and many of these things, of course, are are determined in early childhood. You know, it's it's very funny when we think about human life. We experience intimacy even before we have a separate sense of self. Like that's how deep it is. That's how that's how how deeply. Our our template for for intimacy is programmed, um, you know. And if our early childhood, uh, you know, parents or guardians, you know, happen not to be Buddhas, <laughs> you know, it may be that the love I'm get that what's happening in that bonding is also accompanied by something that's making me uncomfortable or making me feel not met or whatever, and then I associate intimacy with, oh, that doesn't feel so good, and then I become avoidant when I grow up. Or alternately, it feels really good, but it's intermittent, and I'm not getting enough of it. And it's like, well, I have to hold on to that with white knuckles, you know, and then I become anxiously attached, you know, that sort of thing. Um, You know, and all this points to ways that we're wounded in early childhood. And it's interesting because... How can I say we're already with anything that's early childhood wounding that we're living out, we're already having the pain of avoiding feeling the pain. <laughs> like we're already we're already bought into that game, you know, and it, it, much of healing is just learning how to, you know, get out of that cycle. I have to give the computer a little juice here. There's a distinction that Race Mimenikin makes that I think is, is very important in this context. He talks about clean pain versus dirty pain. And I've talked about this before. Clean pain is when something happens, something unpleasant, and I face it directly, I deal with it, I feel all the consequences, I feel it fully, and then I'm done with it. Dirty pain is the thing that happens, you know, the uncomfortable thing that comes and I say, I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to bury that. I'm going to ignore that, you know. And and it's so funny because ego thinks in that moment that it's really one. You know, ego thinks, you know, I got to get out of jail free card. I got to avoid it, you know, that sort of thing. And of course, that's the stuff that's that's exactly the pain that comes from avoiding pain. You know, it, it's so funny how we're wired. Um Yeah, so much about the healing process is about about opening up to the pain and facing the pain again, you know, and it's um it's so easily misunderstood, you know, say a person who has suffered a lot of, you know, gone through a period of life that was tumultuous in which they were feeling a lot of pain and then they get to a, a, 
a place of more maturity in which they can feel a certain amount of balance, that hard-won balance, you know, where they're not constantly tossed by pain, then the idea of facing their pain, it sounds like, you know, someone wants to throw them back into the river, you know. And it's all the difference between drowning in the river versus being able to sit on the banks of the river and kind of watch it, you know. Um, so much of the healing process is about, um, is about how big our container is, you know. And I often say, a, a dear friend of mine likes to say the most important question in life is, how big is your container, you know? If I have a, a large emotional container, then I can hold a large experience, you know? Then I, then I have the ability to hold it with mindfulness, with compassion, and deal with it as is. If, it, if I have a smaller container, then that large experience might overwhelm me, and I almost necessarily have to avoid some of it at the outset simply because I can't hold on to it, you know? You know, in some ways, our deepest avoiding is the way we avoid ourselves. You know, the way we avoid our gifts, the way we avoid, you know, the life that we know we could be living. Um, you know, it's that wonderful paradoxical um, uh, Marian, uh, Marian Williamson quote, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate, our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. That's not on the quote sheet, but I assume it's a familiar quote. And I've thought about that a lot, you know. Why would we be afraid of our deepest power, you know? Because of the responsibility, <laughs> you know? If I'm, if I'm totally, if I totally actualize my deepest power, I don't get to use any of my excuses anymore. <laughs> like, like all the little, all the little games I play, like, the, you know, the jig is up, you know? And there's something, there's something terrifying about that, you know? And so it's a very interesting question. You know, we're, we're so funny. We, 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 in the modern world, we avoid love, we avoid intimacy, we avoid what is best in us, you know? And so at this point, I'll share the quote sheet. Let's see, first I'll share it. Oh, I, I don't know if I copied it. I have to go back and copy it. Okay, it's a little technical glitch here. Copy the quote sheet so that I can share it with the zoomies. Okay, the zoomies have the quote sheet. So the, the R.D. Lang quote is at the top. There's a wonderful Zen quote. All questioning is a way of avoiding the real answer, which as Zen tells us, is really already known. That's a fascinating one to ponder. The composer Arnold Schoenberg said, I could see the work as a whole first. Then I compose the details. 
In working out, I always lose something. This cannot be avoided, but there, but there's always some loss when we meet, when we materialize. But there is a compensating gain in vitality. That one is really deep. Carl Jung said, "You meet your destiny on the road you take to avoid it." <laughs> Love Jung. Ralph Ellison said, it's the little things that find us out, the little things we refuse to do in order to avoid doing the big things that can save us. Wow. Saul Bellow said, a great deal of intelligence can be invested in ignorance when the need for illusion is deep. (laughs) Just unsparing. (laughs) Charlotte Jo Beck said, You cannot avoid paradise. You can only avoid seeing it. Bernie Glassman said, Our tendency in life is to avoid things that frighten us. But in order to become whole, we need to go deeper and deeper into ourselves by reaching further and further into the things we fear. From that wonderful book, The Body Keeps the Score, Traumatized people chronically feel unsafe in their bodies. The past is alive in the form of gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies are constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs, and in an attempt to control these processes, they often become expert at ignoring their gut feelings and a numbing awareness of what has played out. They learn to hide from themselves. Wow. That's an extraordinary book, incidentally. From the neurologist, Antonio Damasio, we use our minds not to discover facts, but to hide them. One of the things the screen hides most effectively is the body, our own body, by which I mean the ins and outs of it, its interior. Like a veil thrown over the skin to secure its modesty, the screen partially removes the mind from the mind, the inner states of the body, those that constitute the flow of life as it wanders in the journey of each day. You know, and it's so much about Zen, for example, and a lot of Buddhism is just getting deeper into the body. Um, from Jack Cornfield, grief and loss and suffering, even depression and spiritual crisis, the dark nights of the soul only worsen when we try to ignore or deny or avoid them. The healing journey begins when we turn toward them and learn how to work with them. When we stop fighting against our difficulties and find the strength to meet our demons and difficulties head on, we often find that we emerge from our difficulties stronger and humbler and more grounded than we were before we experienced them. To survive our difficulties is to be initiated into the fraternity of wisdom. Also from Jack Cornfield, to undertake a genuine spiritual path is not to avoid difficulties, but to learn the art of making mistakes wakefully, to bring them to bring to them the transformative power of our heart. You know, and I I think about it. There's this famous story by Thomas Edison. Um, Thomas Edison was working on the light bulb and you know they were the crucial thing was finding the right filament and they tried one material after another and it was failure after failure after failure and they were just working exhaustedly for over a year and at a certain point the foreman he was just wiped out and he came to Edison and he said Mr. Edison we have to give up we've tried a thousand ways every single one of them has been a failure like this whole project has been a waste and Edison immediately responded, nonsense, 
we now know a thousand ways it doesn't work. <laughs> you know. And of course, that's exactly what gave us the light bulb. You know, but it just, you know, can we say that about our own lives? Like, I know a thousand ways that it doesn't work, you know, and, and have it be a triumph, you know. From Paul Colo. There's suffering in life and there are defeats. No one can avoid them. But it's better to lose some of the battles in the struggle for your dreams than to be defeated without never knowing what you're fighting for. Mm. Nice. David Nickturn says, We can't avoid conflict. Like good music, life expresses itself through conflict and resolution. James Richardson said, Of all the ways to avoid living, perfect discipline is the most admired. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that one Whoa. that one stings, yeah. Sharon Salzberg said we can't avoid pain, but we can transform our response to it. Adi Ashanti says, often life is a frantic avoidance of the truth. <laughs> wow. Seven Molino says mental anguish always results from the avoidance of legitimate suffering. Uh Yangi Mingyar says, when you see your own desire to be happy, you can't avoid you can't avoid seeing the same desires in others. Quite true. Veronica Tolugovica says, emotional pain cannot kill you, but running from it can. Allow, embrace, let yourself feel, let yourself heal. Peggy Haynes says, we numb our minds and hearts, so one need not broken and the other need not be bothered. Wow. Christiami said, people will seek to the ends of the galaxy to avoid that which they need most. Mm. Craig's Lundberg says, to avoid all risk is to avoid the choice of living, and to avoid living is one of the greatest risks of all. Mm. Laura Davis said, many survivors struggle to believe that the abuse happened. They don't want to believe it. It's too painful to think about. They don't want to accuse family members or face the terrible loss and in realizing a loved one hurt them. They don't want to rock the boat. And finally, Sam Keen said, the pole star that will guide you into a more loving future is already shining bright in the night sky of your soul. But to see it, you must accustom your eyes to the fertile darkness you have tried to avoid. 